Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Thursday. It's September the 21st, and we are going to be talking Merrick Garland, or as my friends like to call him, the general. What's up with the general? I've got a goal for today's show. I've got a goal. We're going to show you a bunch of clips. We're going to react to those clips. We're going to share with you the uh, insight from uh, someone who has worked under his department. And I have one simple goal. I have one simple aspiration for this show. I am going to attempt to refrain from dropping F-bombs. That's that's just it. It's simple. I was an enlisted guy. I worked in law enforcement. I worked in an ambulance. I worked in a hospital, in a, in a high-volume ER when we had people coming in and things were stressed. And sometimes you say things. I'm going to attempt to control my desire to drop F-bombs when I see this guy because he is a sniveling weasel of a human being. And we're gonna get into why it is so scary that this guy is the attorney general and it's not because he's the attorney general. That's not the scariest thing to me, not at all. All right, we're gonna get into all of that. Then we're also gonna talk a little bit about what's been going on in the rest of the country. Uh, And then I'm gonna give you guys a little taste right now. This week has been somewhat wild. I was on the Drinking Bros podcast yesterday, drove down there out of Austin, Texas. So I got to go down and hang out with some pretty cool guys. Uh, They've got a really cool studio set up. It's like a metal building and they've got multiple sound stages and they've got all these cameras set up. And uh, you get a little little bit more of the unfiltered version of Kyle Serafin on the Drinking Bros. They are not exactly ones that you need to self-censor around. So we talked uh, about the FBI and a bunch of other stuff. So that's gonna be airing in a week. That's gonna be on next Wednesday, one week uh, after yesterday. And then uh, I'm going to be on Tim Pool's Culture War, and my buddy Garrett O'Boyle is going to be joining me. So we're flying out tonight to go to the D.C. area, which is my least favorite place in America. It's the worst place that I know of, but we're going to go out and we're going to go do that. And so you guys will see us uh, on yet another venue, and you're going to get a, a sort of a longer take on Garrett O'Boyle. I want to play this uh, this video. We're going to start off with my friend Dinesh D'Souza, Dan Bongino, and the Police State trailer. We're promoting their movie. We want you guys to go out and check it out if you're interested in seeing a kind of a scary take on America. They have put together a very compelling piece, and I think you all will appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and throw that on right now. You guys can enjoy that, and then we're going to get back and start doing some clips. So here is the Police State trailer. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Pretty, pretty scary stuff. Pretty scary stuff, folks. That is not something that uh, feels good to watch, but it is going to be insightful, I think. They've got a lot of really great interviews in there. Julie Kelly, you probably saw. Um, There's Jim Jordan, Cash Patel. Sounds like they may have had gotten Trump in there. I don't even know yet uh, who they all got, but Dan Bongino does a pretty good chunk of it. And uh, the, the story is compelling. So you can get tickets online at policestatefilm.net. Policestatefilm.net is where you can go find them. And they are doing showings all over the country in private theaters, private theater uh, sellouts, sort of private screenings 
October 25th and the uh, and October 23rd, 23rd and 25th. So let's start launching into this weasel of a human being. Let me just tell you right now why I think this guy's so scary. As you watch these clips, I don't want you to think about him as the attorney general. Those are politicians. Those are political appointments. That happens all the time. He was a federal judge and his job was to be impartial. And you can just tell by the way he speaks that this guy is a progressive leftist. He is part of the problem in this country. Listen to when he says things like, you know, the Justice Department exists to protect our democracy. That is code for I don't believe in the Constitution because the Constitution does not lay out a democracy, not in any way, shape or form. We don't have a democracy in the United States. We have a constitutional republic. There's a reason why we've covered things like the Federalist Papers here. Because we have a federal republic that's supposed to be small. It is not a democracy. Democracy equals, every time you hear that, democracy equals tyranny of the majority. 50% plus one. That's what democracy means. And it's really scary. There's a reason why we don't have it. It's because the founders saw that human beings are fickle. Government is bad. The more of it you have, the more likely it is to oppress you. And therefore, you try to avoid that. You put as many safeguards as possible between my democracy and the people. That's what a federal republic is about. And Merrick Garland doesn't even acknowledge this when he speaks. He goes straight down the leftist talking points. He has adopted the role of a politician because he probably sat there on the bench and did the exact same thing. And of course, he's more than happy to run cover for his party's preferred policies. So let's start just these uh, videos may have gotten in a weird order. So Ryan's going to play them. I'm going to tell you what's going on in each one of these. If you watch this thing yesterday for the five hours, you're probably still doubled over on a toilet and vomiting because it's pretty awful. Let's play the first video clip and let's just get right into it right away, Ryan, and uh, and start uh, holding our bellies and maybe finding our emesis bag. Go ahead and roll clip one. In my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll show you some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question, you're probably not a bad person. I don't know you, but what I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then let's extend slow walk investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, everything is slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then by the time, you know, that investigation ended, statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. Okay, you probably should have as part of your hiring policy. So no one held a Accountable, which was egregious what happened, you know, in that report when I read about them. I can't believe it happened in the United States of America. This is my frustration. I'll be honest with you. Then it's very interesting, you know, regardless what it is, even people in Obama administration raise concerns, you know, how can President Sands be serving on, you know, corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs. Do you understand that it actually can undermine the one Ukrainian effort and policy? I think these concerns were raised. The Obama administration didn't do anything about it. These people are dying right now and Americans don't trust this president. So you, I want to ask you one thing, you know, as you, you know, I don't need answer because I know you're not going to, but I think you're probably a good American and you care. And a lot of these people are so afraid they cover up this stuff, I think, in your department because they're embarrassed that what we became as a country to say that what our Department of Justice became. That allows Russians to do propaganda in That's Chinese. Good, right there. It allows them to destabilize our country. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. She's exactly right. So that's Victoria Sparts. She is a representative from uh, Indiana, and she's Ukrainian, as you can tell if you listen to uh, what she sounds like. She's Ukrainian, and she's upset, rightly so. The only thing that made me feel good about listening to that, and she's got kind of that shrill voice, which is kind of difficult to listen to. At least Garland had to hear it in person. He had to have that kind of hammered home on him. Um, she's talking about how the way the FBI is behaving— reminds her of the KGB. 
I've had a, a long conversation with Sebastian Gorka, who is in our intro role. And he, every time I see his, uh, his face, it makes me smile because he's such a fun guy off off camera. He's actually pretty fun on camera, too. But one of the things that he and I were discussing was the fact that because the FBI is an intelligence agency, right, and the DOJ is in charge of it, the DOJ under Merrick Garland is in charge of this intelligence agency, but it's an intelligence agency that maintains its capabilities of arrest and prosecution. That's what a secret police is. That is exactly what every single secret police has ever been in every single uh, totalitarian regime that has existed in the last 150 years. They have people that are going out there and they're spying. And we know the FBI is doing that. And they talked about this. We couldn't find the clip, but Merrick Garland actually was defending uh, FISA 702. I'll talk about that in just a second. And he was defending it because it's an outstanding intelligence tool. That's what he said. It's it's where they get the most intelligence, which is absolutely horrific. I'll tell you why in one second. So here she is telling us that there is this intelligence agency, the FBI, that maintains its powers to arrest, or as uh, Steve Friend and I have sort of jokingly referred to it as, a trans-intelligence agency. A trans-intelligence agency is one that was started off as a law enforcement agency, transitioned, transitions itself to being an intelligence agency, but it maintained its bulge like some of these dudes that are out there pretending to be women and they keep the D, right? They keep their pants still stuffed and they fill up a jock strap. And the jock strap fill for the FBI is a badge and a gun. They have the ability to come out there with handcuffs and lock you up. That should scare the hell out of all Americans. And the scariest thing for me was listening. And I was actually yelling at my steering wheel as I was driving because I was listening to Ryan Mattis stream yesterday of this particular hearing as I was driving down to go do the Drinking Bros podcast. And I am screaming at my uh, my windshield because he said FISA 702 is the single largest source of information of intelligence that we get in the FBI. FISA 702 is a special provision of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which many of you will know was weaponized against Donald Trump, it was used to spy on his political campaign and then continued to spy on his presidency through false hearings and, and uh, false documentation, through lies. This is Peter Strzok's legacy. This is Lisa Page's legacy. This is Andy McCabe's legacy, it turns out. The, uh, the number two at the FBI and the former acting director. He was the acting director when my daughter was born, my second daughter. Okay, so here we are with this tool and the way that 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 FISA works is when you have what's called a full FISA, this is a FISA warrant, the FBI gathers an enormous file. It's called the Woods file. It's every single fact that's ever been written about this person that you want to use to justify your position. And you go in front of a, a special court that meets in secret. It's called the FISC. They actually go into a skiffed vault. And the FISC is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And you take this Woods file, which is a thick binder, and it documents every single thing and every single fact that you assert has to be backed up with, with uh, documentation. You'll say, I saw Ryan Matta driving down I-95 towards Richmond. I-95 is an American highway system that runs north and south on the east coast of the United States. You know, and then you say he was driving in a, a Nissan Altima. A Nissan Altima is a four-door sedan that was produced by the Nissan Automobile Company, um, you know, between these years and these years. I and mean, this is how detailed this thing has to be. You break down every single fact and you justify it. And if you don't, the attorneys over at DOJ and at the FBI's FISA unit will look back and they'll go, okay, we need more facts here. You need to footnote this thing. You need to document this. Everything must be documented. And the reason why is because when you request a FISA, you're the only person there. It's you, and it's not me, obviously. It's not a federal agent that's doing this. These are actually attorneys from DOJ or FBI that sit in front of the FISA court. They swear in, and they do what's called ex parte. They are doing it one part only. It's their part, the government's interest. And so the government has to present the interest of the citizen as well. The full facts. They're not allowed to slant it. And then the judges are supposed to decide whether or not that person uh, meets the conditions for a FISA. That is not what 702 is. And I'm telling you all this because FISA actually is fairly rigid, even though they've abused it. So we already know that the, the, the safeguarded program is jacked up. But 702 is way scarier. I've written up 702 requests in a morning. It's a couple of paragraphs that you proofread a couple of times with your supervisor. FISA 702 is unlimited access to your digital information if it touches an American company. If you have a Yahoo email account, we can get it. If you have a Gmail, a Hotmail, if you have Skype, if you're using any non-encrypted digital communications, we can get access to it. And it's only designed for one group of people. 
foreign actors, people who are acting on behalf of foreign intelligence services that are based in a foreign nation, Chinese spy in China, Chinese business person working with the MSS in China, Russian oligarch who is recruited by the um, FSB. These are the people that we can get 702 coverage on. But here's the funny thing. Let's say that person is a business person, and a lot of them are, because they're what they're called co-optees. A co-optee is someone who works on behalf of a, of a state actor, but is not necessarily an explicit state actor. When we have co-optees, they do business that is legit and some that is not legit. And if you happen to be doing part of the legit business, you are identified. The idea that Merrick Garland was defending this tool for use against smugglers moving fentanyl over our southern border is absolutely absurd. It is a bastardization. And he sat there with a with a straight face and defended FISA 702, saying this stuff has to be protected because it is our number one source of information, including a vital tool in protecting Americans from illegal fentanyl coming across the borders. They're using it for criminal cases, criminal cases that are known as transnational organized crime talk and usually Western hemisphere. So it's called talk West cases. If they're using it that way, that is explicitly the opposite of what's supposed to be done. And the only reason why you would be doing it that way is because you want to identify Americans, people on this side, inside the United States that are using um, the, the smuggling routes. And that's called reverse targeting. And it is against the law. Everything about 702 is abusive. And George Hill has said it, and he had a lot more experience than I did. But for the two years that I saw Raw FISA, I had a major problem with it. It's one of the reasons why I stopped working counterintelligence. It made me sick. And we are still doing it, and they're defending it, and Congress has the opportunity to defund it. And so far, we don't see them doing that. I want you guys to have that understanding. We have a very dishonest actor working inside the, uh, the AG's office. And moreover, he used to be a federal judge. And if that's the way he ruled, that scares the shit out of me. I can't say it any other way. Sorry, I've been trying not to swear on this guy. All right, let's do video number two. Let's see what we got on here. We're going to keep going. We're going to move forward through this stuff, folks, and uh, we're going to see how hot under the collar this gets. Let's do video two, Ryan. So he would stop looking into Burisma, where Hunter was on the board. Would you agree? All right, let's let the American people decide. Play the clip. Play the clip. I remember going over convincing our team or others to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from Pay attention, uh, sir, Yatsenyuk please. that they would take action against I'm the looking. state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "We're leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> got fired, and they put in place someone who there was solid. Mr. Attorney General, what you just saw, there was Joe Biden in his arrogance and role as the vice president in this country saying, if you don't fire Shokin, the United States isn't given the $1 billion loan. Why would Joe Biden say that as the vice president? Why would he say such a thing? Was it policy? Was it our policy at the time? Yes or no? It wasn't. I have documents here. <laughs> Interagency policy committee dated a point of information. 15. Is the gentleman and ever going to let the I'm on my time. Question? Pipe down. Pipe down. And Shokin had made significant reforms. Texas. Let's go. He's made significant reforms. Shokin did. Matter of fact, John Kerry says he was impressive. And you know, within a few months after Shokin was fired, they appoint a prosecutor that said, we're not going to look in the Burisma anymore. Cancel that. Forget it. We're not looking into Burisma. Boom. Here comes the million dollars. Joe Biden threatened the Ukrainian president and the prime minister. Everybody can see it. The fire shoken or the United States won't give the billion dollars. If that is not quid pro quo, sir, what is? I will tell you what it is. And America agrees with me. It's bribery and it's impeachable. That's good Are enough. you going to do something about it? He says no, by the way. He's like, oh, that's not what the Justice Department does. I'm not the I'm not the attorney for the president. But no, dude, you're corrupt. That's what you are. You're a person who has decided to side with your party instead of what your oath says, which is disgusting. Um, a couple things. So that's Troy Niels. Uh, he's a congressman from Texas. He I love the pipe down because Jerry Nadler, who uh, who has his his pants and his belt around his nipple line, I think he's got them up there. He looks like the penguin. If you have never seen Jerry Nadler, <laughs> he's a bizarre looking little human being. Only. 
only he could have only been elected originally in a pre-internet society because otherwise you would have just showed video of him on a loop of him walking and people would be like nah I don't think so I don't think I don't think Jerry Nadler is going to represent people in New York that's just that's not going to happen but instead he keeps getting elected and he just sits there with his pants up as high uh, you know closer to his neckline he's like a Steve Urkel a little weird white you know 80,000 year old Steve Urkel and uh, he has to nipple pipe down. chafing pants. <laughs> it's the belt. It's really the belt at the nipple lines is the real problem for him. No doubt about that. So uh, so we've got this. We've got to shut down. He, he puts him down and he just shows him. Look, Victor Shokin should be in front of Congress. Why is Victor Shokin not there testifying? That would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to hear from the prosecutor that was going after Burisma that Joe Biden canceled with his quid pro quo when he was vice president? Anyone else want to hear that testimony? Because I do. I want to hear it. I do. I want to hear a lady from Ukraine asking a Ukrainian prosecutor who got fired because of the work of Obama and Joe Biden explaining what this corruption scheme was that he was involved in and what he knew, what he knew at the time, what he could prove and what he got walked out on. That seems worthwhile. That would be a good hearing. I'd tune in for that. I think you guys would too. I think that uh, a lot of us would want to hear what that's all about. Uh, He doesn't give him a chance to answer. The thing is this, when you give Garrett, uh, when you give Merrick Garland a chance to answer, then he just snivels and he's weak and he just just waffles back and forth. They didn't get any value out of him, although they did get a lot of teary, uh, sympathetic-sounding garbage. So there's that. Let's go ahead and do the next clip on here. Uh, Some of these things are just, they're only there because they were punching him in the face because they know they're not going to get a real answer. Let's play the clip number three, see where we're going with this, talking about the constitutional duty of oversight. This should be Thomas Massey, I believe. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to cite it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find it. out. And okay. the day, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for mil- merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying, go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman right Jordan. May I answer the question? No, nobody wants to hear what your answer is. I'm going to ask one now. Uh, yeah, let's... <laughs> Let's cut away from this. So this is really interesting stuff. First of all, he's mentioning the fact that we have an indictment of Ray Epps. So he was indicted for a misdemeanor trespassing charge. It holds up to 364 days. It's one day short of a year. That's what a misdemeanor does in the federal system. And he was indicted for that. Nobody who is serious is going to look at that and say, oh, that's that's a that's justice at play. He was either a cooperating witness or he's a source. And this was his sweetheart deal. And then he could plea to something. And then they're going to ask for some sentence. And the sentence will be whatever it is. It'll be less than 364 days. uh, And probably it'll just be, you know, house arrest or probation or something like that. So Ray Epps being questioned. But you're telling me that the attorney general of the United States on the biggest case that the FBI has ever worked in their own words. okay, the biggest thing they've ever done, bigger than 9-11, bigger than assassination cases into a president. uh, They're going to not brief the attorney general of the number of informants and undercover agents that were in the crowd, whether or not there were any and what that number looked like and what those exposures and liabilities look like. And then we're going to indict Ray Epps in a way that indicates he was one of them. From some part of the government, I don't care if he was DHS or if he was DOJ, he could have been working for the marshals, he could have been working for ATF, he could have been working for, uh, for DEA, which is weird, but they were probably there too. He could have been working for FBI. They've said he wasn't, so I believe them on that one because they, there's other places. Could have been working for ICE. Could have been working for um, for Homeland Security Investigations, HSI. Could have been working for any number of other different little intelligence agencies in there. Could have been working for a DOD asset, right? He could have been working for a private contractor that actually has a cutout that's getting paid by someone in the intelligence service. A lot of ways he could have done this. A lot of them. 
and the attorney general says, I don't know. You saw Thomas Massey's little smirk there. He said, you may have just perjured yourself. I'm sure he perjured himself over and over again. When I watch that testimony, there's no way this man's being honest. And we'll see some other clips that show that as well. Before we do, I want to say a thanks to uh, Catholic Vote. So here they are, catholicvote.org. Uh, check them out, folks, catholicvote.org. You can click on the loop at the top of that. Uh, you can either just read the loop right there. You don't even have to sign up for it. You don't have to give them your email if you don't want to. You can go see today's loop, which has a lot of good stuff in it. it talks about the attorney general pleading ignorance. We're going to talk uh, about how he understood nothing about how the, uh, the Richmond field office was going after Catholics in that area in Virginia, talks about uh, a convicted pro-lifer speaking out about how wrong it is going after the FACE Act. We actually just got a comment about that in our uh, five-star reviews on Apple. We got Chuck Schumer, another big favorite of ours, who uh, decided to cave in to, um, to uh, Tuberville regarding his uh, vote or lack thereof. They didn't want to vote about military appointments. We've got uh, former a Biden official caught in stolen women's clothing. I'm not even going to cover that, but this is one of those guys, Sam Brinton, who used to be at the DOE, a uh, supposedly nuclear engineer who also was interested in handling men who were dressed as puppies. He's also a disgraced member of the uh, of this anti-Catholic hate group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a pretty awful and disgusting group. Uh, a lot of good things in the loop today. And then you can also find that they have a uh, an excellent podcast in and of itself. It's called The Loop Cast. Check them out. Uh, my friends over there, They've interviewed my father. They've interviewed a bunch of other people. I've been on the Loopcast, and they do a really nice commentary. It's 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 heartening. They don't put it out all the time. I think it's like once a month. Um, maybe it's once a week. Eh, I think it's once a month, though. They just do this this one nice little uh, podcast, so you guys can check them out. Let's move a little further on into this hearing. It just continued to get – it went from bad to worse. It was over and over again. It's just – it's stupid, and it's bad. It's listening to this clown. Let's play the next clip on here, and we'll just keep rocking and rolling. Maybe. What would be the impact on America of defunding the FBI? Defunding the FBI would leave the United States naked to the malign influence of the Chinese Communist Party, to the attacks by Iranians on American citizens and attempts to assassinate former officials, uh, to uh, the Russian aggression, uh, to North Korean cyber attacks, to uh, violent crime in the United States, which the FBI helps to, to fight against, to all kinds of espionage, to domestic violent extremists who have uh, attacked our churches, um, our synagogues, our mosques, uh, and who have killed individuals uh, out of racial hatred. Uh, I, I, I just I cannot imagine the consequences of defunding the FBI but they would be catastrophic. Oh, I can. Me, me. Uh, Kyle, Kyle will answer this question. I would be happy to answer this question for you guys. Let me tell you what would happen if we defunded the FBI. What would happen is you would not see anything change. Nothing. I would say almost nothing would happen. What would happen is you might have a couple more people getting away with some white collar fraud, but those cases take years and most of us ever recognize it. The FBI does almost nothing when it comes to the impact that happens on your level as an individual American. And I say that as someone who spent six years there, and that means that I spent six years of my life getting paid for something that I think the mission is bogus. And I found that out in 2020. I found out in 2020 that the FBI's mission, the most important mission that they have, which they consider to be national security, it's their biggest priority. That's why they are an intelligence agency. It's not, it's not what you think it is because they already gave you the experiment. What happens if you defund the FBI? They didn't defund it. They kept paying everybody, but they stopped doing their job in 2020. Stopped. Outright. Imagine you're a federal employee who makes $175,000 a year. Let's say you make $150,000. Let's just average it out from the brand newest agent to the oldest agents there. You're on the front line. You're working counterterrorism in Washington, D.C. You're working counterintelligence in Washington, D.C., where all of the embassies are where all of these consulates are, where people are going around, where the biggest spy targets are, the people that are actually in the power, the seats of government that have all the information that you might want. There's only two places that happens in a big way. It happens in Washington, D.C., and it happens in New York City. Let's say you're in Washington, D.C., and that is your job, protecting the American people from spies and terrorists. And your management comes in and says, you know what? You're really important to us. We love you a lot. We're so scared of the flu. We're so scared of this COVID, which kills people that are over 65, and none of you are over 65, but we're so scared of this thing that we are going to make sure that you are safe, and we only want you to work 30 minutes 
two times a week. Your work week has gone from 50 hours required. That's what FBI agents are required to put in. You're required to build eight hours plus two. It's called the eight hours of standard employment plus two hours of what we call AVP or availability pay. Two hours on top of the normal eight-hour workday. That doesn't include your lunch. You're supposed to be at the office doing office work or running around in the field, recruiting sources and talking to people and investigating and getting data. All that stuff's supposed to happen for close to 11 hours a day. We're going to go ahead and drop that. And it's going to be one hour per week. How many of you would like to make 150 grand a year? for one hour a week, one hour work. Does that sound good? Is that a good deal? Anyone want to sign up for the FBI and do that job? Because that's what they did for 2020, starting in March when they did the lockdowns in DC, all the way through parts of 2021. It was ongoing when I left the office in April of 2021. They got a full year of working one hour a week. You know how many terrorist attacks happened during that time in Washington, DC? Do you know how many spies or traders ran off with everything? Probably all the ones that were already doing it because they don't get caught very often. It's just not that much of it. And the ones that do are actually doing it in a legal way. There's nothing they can do about it other than report and know about things. As, as my old boss used to say, we'll know things and then we'll know more things. It's like, cool. Is there any kinetic action? We're not going to arrest anybody. We just want to know about it. We're going to watch the American people get robbed blind of all of our technologies and send it over to China in technology transfer programs. Counterproliferation is a complete failure. So we're going to do that. So one hour a week. And 150 grand a year on average, we're all okay. I didn't see the White House burn. I didn't see anything else happen. You know, we did see the biggest insurrection that's ever happened. If you go and ask the FBI, you think it was because they had people working one hour a week? That could have been it. Maybe January 6th was a failure because the FBI wasn't actually at work. Defund them anyway. Who cares? Because the biggest failure was a bunch of guys running in and attacking cops with flagpoles. So there's that. Flagpoles, super dangerous. The most armed populace on the planet decided to take over their government with a stick of wood, you know, and like one guy had a revolver, a five shot revolver. It's pretty scary stuff. I've got more than that on my desk right here in an ornamental fashion. So when you start thinking about that, when you start thinking, hey, does it make sense to defund the FBI? We've already had the experiment. The experiment has been checked out. And all you got to do is look back and decide, are you comfortable with what happened and the amount of safety that you experienced in 2020? when the FBI didn't come to work. That's it. Nobody knew. I'm telling you right now, I was in there. They did an evaluation. This is worth talking about. They did an evaluation of the counterintelligence cases in the Washington field office. I think I've said this before. It shocks some people, but I might as well say it on my show too. They they did an evaluation. There are like over 100 agents there and they have an average of probably 12 cases. So 1,200, maybe 1,500 total counterintelligence cases. This covers all the big threat countries, North Korea, um, Israel's on there. Uh, they have the uh, the Chinese, they have the Russians, they have what's called global, which is like the Cubans and stuff like that. All the mixed bag, Iranians and so on. All the different counterintelligence investigations that are going on. All the different companies, uh, countries that want to harm the United States. And they took all these cases, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500. I'll just average it out and say 1,200. The 1,200 cases, they did an evaluation of it. And they decided which cases were so important they needed daily updates on. Do you know how many cases that was? I just want you to think of a number, number between one and 1,200. How many cases were required daily updates because they were so sensitive and so important to the American people that they needed to be checked into on every single day by counterintelligence agents in the Washington field office? The biggest hub for that. It was two. There were two of them. They sat down with management, every single agent briefed their cases to their supervisor, supervisors to their supervisor, their supervisors to the SAC and the ADIC, and all those guys came down and they decided there were two, not 200, by the way, two, one, two. That's how many cases needed daily updates. If that shocks you, then you know exactly why defunding the FBI wouldn't be a big deal. There's a reason why Steve and I argue for this, why we have, uh, we've advocated that position. It's because who cares? Two, two more thefts will happen. There are a bunch of thefts that are happening. We just don't know about them. And the ones that we do know, there's two of them in the 1,200 that we have in a basket. A lot of that is what we would call make work in the military. It's what we would call make work when you are in law enforcement. It's work for its own sake. In uh, grade school, they call it busy work. When you get grown up, you call it make work, where they make you work simply because they have to make you work because they have to show you're doing something. So important. Two cases. Disgusting. Let's play another clip here. Let's uh, see if we can get to our uh, turning our stomach. I'm trying to give us a little bit of space. I'm, I'm getting this bile out of my system as we go. Play another clip for me, Ryan. 
Do you know about the money that moved through Rob Walker's shell companies, yes or no? As I have said repeatedly, I have left ma these matters to Mr. Weiss. I've not intruded, I've not interfered, I've not to tried things. to find out it's what like he knows. It's like you're looking the other way on purpose it's because everybody knows this stuff's happening. And you know what, people don't pay bribes to not get something in return. Right. We, the, the China initiative resulted in the convictions of a Harvard professor, of someone at Monsanto. So we were working against the Chinese. They paid the Bidens. And now we're, now you're sitting here telling me that North Korea is the big threat. I gotta get there it goes. Um, Hunter Biden is a great artist. You guys know that he's been getting a bunch of money. They've been moving it in. It doesn't matter whether he's selling art or they're moving into shell companies and Merrick Garland. I mean, he just doesn't know. He doesn't know. It's not his fault. He's just the attorney general. He's just the highest law enforcement person in the land. He's just the only guy that should be uh, getting briefed on this stuff. We'll keep uh, we'll keep playing some of these clips. We'll keep moving through them because at some point we're going to see him get emotional about this. We actually have a clip that I just called Merrick Garland is crying. So you guys will see that. But, you know, whenever you say, hey, do you know anything? The answer is no, I don't know anything. Why would I know something? I'm just the attorney general. I don't know things about what's going on. Similar to the uh, to the Chris Ray move. Look, I have oversight of the FBI I have oversight, but they bubble wrap me. They don't tell me. You think Lisa Monaco should be up there, maybe? I'd love to see Lisa Monaco get uh, grilled like this. I think she'd be much more combative. They'd get a real sense of what the Justice Department's out when you put the pit bull out there, the person who's actually uh, advocating on behalf of this deep state. So uh, totally worth it. I understand some of you guys are seeing glitches on there. That's probably a rumble thing. That is not an us thing. Our stream is clean, so we're sorry that that is the case. Um, while you're sitting there, though, as you uh, as you like what you're hearing, as you guys are enjoying this, please feel free to share it on your social media because we share it on ours. And then on top of it, give me a like if you would. Scroll on down to where that thumbs up is. Make sure it turns green. We appreciate you guys doing that on Rumble. It does move us up a little bit and gives people an understanding of what they're seeing. Puts us into the live rankings as we are giving this to you live. Let's uh, let's play another clip. Let's move forward. Matt Gates obviously doing yeoman's work there. We do appreciate appreciate a Matt Gates, the Florida man himself, giving it to the attorney general. And uh, it turns out only the Republicans are interested in oversight on this committee. Everybody else on the Democrat side, they're just covering for him. I actually heard Sheila Jackson Lee do a really good one, but I didn't want to play the clip because it made me puke in my mouth a little bit. And when you do that, then I have to swallow it. You guys have to watch it. That's not a good thing to see. Let's do another clip of Merrick Garland saying things that don't matter uh, in five hours of Kabuki theater that we had yesterday. You got it, Kyle. And if anybody's having glitching issues, if you guys just close the app or close your browser and reopen it again, a lot of times it'll fix it over here on Rumble. Attorney General, through the chair, I ask you, do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Answer I have no question. idea what your what the traditional uh, means here. The Catholics, idea, let me Catholics just go to church. Your, may I answer your question? Yes, the idea no. that someone with my family background would discriminate against any religion is so outrageous, it's so outrageous. absurd. Mr. Attorney it's General, it was your FBI question. that did this. It was your FBI that was sending, and we have the memos, we have the emails, we're sending undercover agents into Catholic churches. Both I and the director this of the FBI the, have said the that we were appalled have said that we were appalled by that memo. So then you agree the that they're not extremists? We were appalled by that memo. Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? I think that- Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? Everything in that memo is Are appalling. they extremists or not? I'm asking a simple question. Say no, if you think that was wrong. Flicks are not extremists, no. God, he almost cried. He almost cried. Guys, did you see how upset he was? What you didn't see, and we didn't play this because it's nauseating, he did an opening statement where he decided to touch back, and he had exactly that face. Do you notice how he gets onto the uh, alligator tears or the crocodile tears right away? He gets right there. He started this off with his opening statement, and his opening statement harkened back to how much he owed this country. He owed his country so much because his grandmother came to the United States from Belarus, and she was one of five children per his opening statement. I don't know this to be true, but I'm sure it is. And he said that she was one of five children and her and two others made it to the United States. Two were killed in the Holocaust. And he was weepy. Now, don't get me wrong. The Holocaust is awful. And the idea that we had a, uh, a governmental organization anywhere that went out there to eliminate, uh, systematically eliminate and genocide uh, a people is horrific. But he's talking about people that he never met. He's talking about people that he never knew and he's going to get weepy-eyed and crying. He's a grown man in what, his 60s? I don't know. How old? Maybe you can look up and see how old Garland is for me, Ryan. You got a guy there who is getting weepy and teary-eyed about something that happened so long ago that he may not have even been born. No, he wasn't born, was he? Because he, his grandparents. It's like, it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's just playing on emotions and it's fake because this guy is fake. 
He's a fake. He's a fraud. And you can see it. He got weepy about the he's Catholic 86. thing. He's 86 years old. So yeah, so I, I, like that's... Holy cow. He's actually older than Biden and he holds it together way better. That's worth noting, right? They wanted to put him he on the Supreme Court. No, is that right? Man, I'm gonna have to look that's that up. That's what over oh, here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll, check again. Keep looking on that. That's crazy. If he's 86 years old, he's actually holding it together. No wonder his voice sounds like it's falling apart. He's been using it for 100 years. 100 years of using that voice and he's gotten to the point where he's weeping. I'm just, I'm just disgusted by seeing him cry about it. It's so bizarre. He got crying about it. Like I said, they're crocodile tears. It's just trying to get sympathy. And these guys had no problem approving this stuff. I'm sure he didn't know that they were going after Catholics specifically, but he's been enforcing the FACE Act in one way, which is going after pro-life protesters. And that's his DOJ. That's a priority of his DOJ that's got marched out to the field offices of the FBI. So the investigations are being done. And on the other hand, here's the other hand of it. How many people from Jane's Revenge have been arrested for burning down? 71. 71 have? No, he's 71. Yeah, he's born. Yeah, he's 71. He was born in 1952. Yeah, that November, checks out. November 1952. He's still not a young man. And he's got, uh, you know, he's got seven decades of life experience. He's going to get weepy over someone that like he's never met. It's just bizarre. It's totally bizarre to me. Uh, end of the day, he's not enforcing things equally. He's going to be teary-eyed about one thing and not the other. I mean, the guy doesn't care. It's just, it's an act. And he's not a good actor and we can see it. Let's play another clip. It's just gross to see this kind of stuff. And it's gross for him to try to duck out of the criticism that he's getting. Legitimate criticism about something that yours truly exposed uh, in, in some of the work that we've been doing here. So the, over and over again, there's multiple times that they've had Chris Ray and Merrick Garland on the stand, and they are talking about things that I personally have exposed, whether it be the Catholics, um, whether it be going after parents at school boards, which we have that clip coming up as well. All this stuff got done because people like me and Steve Friend stepped up and said, no, 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 you guys are liars. You guys are scum, and we are going to expose it. And then they just hide behind mealy mouth words and fake tears. It's disgusting to me. It's the reason why I'm, I'm holding back from, uh, from the swearing part of it, because it's just, it's such a betrayal of what, what the agencies could be. Let's play the next clip. I guess I'm just wondering, Mr. Attorney General, has anyone at the department told President Biden to knock it off with Hunter? I mean, you guys are charging Hunter Biden on some crimes, investigating him on, on others. You've got the president bringing Hunter Biden around to state dinners. Has anyone told him to knock it off? Our job in the Justice Department is to pursue our cases without reference uh, to what's happening in the outside world. But just yes or no? Have you done that? That is what we do. So it's a no? No one that I know of has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering this. Okay, I got it. I got it. So Hunter Biden is selling art to pay for his $15,000 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that the people buying that art aren't doing so to gain favor with the president. The job of the Justice Department is to investigate criminal allegations. You have information. Are you investigating this? I mean, someone who bought Hunter Biden's art ended up with a prestigious appointment to a federal position. Doesn't it look weird that he's making, he's become this immediate success in the art world as his dad is president of the United States? Isn't that odd? I'm not going to comment about any specific... Not going to comment, not going to investigate. So right. Hunter exactly Biden associate right. Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then-Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped doing that? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. <laughs> Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then-Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped? I'm going to say again that all these matters are within the purview of Mr. Weiss. I have not interfered with them, and yeah, I do not. Yeah, but if you were confident that he had stopped, you could And I do not intend to us. interfere with yeah, him. That's good I right there. So look at this. You got Matt uh, Gates again holding his feet to the fire, and the man said that nobody from his office and no one he knows has ever communicated with the White House about this stuff. Is there any chance that a reasonable human being in the American public believes that that's true? Do any of you think that man didn't just lie right there with a plain face? He's the attorney general. He works directly for the president. The president's son is under investigation. And you think that there's never been a conversation about that? Is that even possible? Is that even remotely possible? No freaking way. I had a point of order thrown out to me in the chat. I have not mentioned Gerardo Boyle's uh, outstanding contributions to exposing the wrongdoing. Let me just say very specifically, Gerardo Boyle brought forward the concrete evidence of the allegations that I brought forward. I said that the uh, attorney general had previously 
indicated he was not going to use counterterrorism resources, Patriot Act tools, on parents at school board meetings, and I produced the memo to say that. That was my allegation of perjury. Garrett came forward and showed that, in fact, that was happening and showed all the investigations to Congress. He brought them the names of the people that were being investigated and the case files that were going on. These are unclassified case files in the oversight of that committee, weaponization and, and uh, judiciary, and shared them so that they knew what was happening. So Garrett O'Boyle also acknowledge. Sorry, buddy. I saw you in the chat there. That you should normally say a point of order. That's how we do it when we do these hearings. A point of order has been stipulated. The point of order has been acquiesced to in this case. Look, what what's weirder than a man saying that he doesn't he doesn't have any knowledge of what's going on with his boss? Can you believe that, Ryan? Does that make any sense to you? Does it make sense that uh, that your boss tells you, uh, hey, man, sorry, uh, my kid's being investigated. Can you check into that? And he goes like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. I've never heard anything about it. There's another guy doing that thing. He works for me, too. <laughs> you believe it? Can, can Congress subpoena his phone records to see if there's any communication between him and the White House? They Is don't give him over. They don't give it over. There's a couple of parts in this, and we didn't show the actual clip of it, and it's worth noting. But like, they asked him some questions, and he's like, "I'm not going to get into the, the deliberations that go on inside the department of like, you, your department <laughs> is being asked for information by you. Like, you're the one who's supposed to give it, and their job is oversight on process, on procedure, on actions. And he won't talk about the deliberative process of how they decided that David Weiss was the one who was supposed to be the special counsel. If you guys know, the special counsel statute actually says it's supposed to be someone outside of government. It's not supposed to be the guy who's doing the investigation now gets more authorities. You kidding me? What kind of craziness are we dealing with? Think about it. And they keep pulling in swamp creatures for this stuff. They keep doing it. They bring on swamp creature after swamp creature. It's just the same thing over and over again. It's like, uh, the department has found no, what is it? We always say this. The, the government has investigated the government and found no wrongdoing by the government in the case that the government has been accused of. Yuck. Gross. This wouldn't fly anywhere else. If this was a uh, like a, 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 a police officer being investigated by it, and in, like imagine if a cop shot somebody and then investigated himself and found out, ah, no, I didn't actually shoot him. There was nothing wrong. There'd be riots in the streets. Oh, wait, we already did that. We've had riots in the streets. Even when that shooting was justified, we've had riots in the streets. The American people just roll over and take this stuff. That's why I'm telling you, if you're not buying things like ammunition and getting yourself order, you got to get your fitness right. You got to get your head right. Because George Hill and I have said it, and I keep hearing it from different people. It doesn't matter whether it's on Dan Bongino's show or somewhere else. When we talk, the people that are listening and have their ear to the ground about what's happening in this country, there may not be a 2024 election, and there's definitely going to be some violence in this country. It may be you know, widespread. It might be very narrow scoped. It might be just in some urban areas. Get yourself a plan. Figure it out. Figure out what your plan is because it's getting ugly and these guys are lying to your face. They got no problem doing it. Let's play the next clip forward. We'll just keep moving forward on this stuff. I guess I'm just wondering, Mr. Attorney General. That's the same clip. No one that I know <laughs> Sorry, of has man. spoken to the White House about gotcha. the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering this. There he is, okay, though. I got you could just no hear him. You could hear him lying. has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering this. Okay, I yeah. got no one that I know of has spoken there to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering this. Okay, I got That's No good. one that I know of That's has good. spoken to the <laughs> we White just play House. That on loop. We'll just play a loop of the man lying <laughs> straight to our face. I told Ryan, just play it a bunch of times until it made me sick. Uh, that's how many times I can handle it. No one in my office has ever spoken to the White House. like, dude, come on. That's not even a good Your line. Your Garland impersonations are on point. Are they? I'd have to do this. I'd have to be like, no one in my office. Because he's just crying all the time. He's crying at an age where like, I don't know. Go. You guys hear the intro that my show has and the outro? That's my father. My dad is older than Merrick Garland. Not by a lot, by enough though. And he talks like a grown man. <laughs> he speaks and he doesn't have like a frog hanging out in his throat waiting to cry at all times. I don't get it. It's not an age thing. It's just a weakness thing. The guy is a frail, weak person. And he's been stomped on and uh, and just he just allows this to happen. He's getting stomped on by a woman who's in her 50s, Lisa Monaco. Gross. So gross. All right, let's play another clip. Let's just keep moving forward on this stuff. See if we can get to the point where we don't. Puke. Are you aware that uh, Director Ray a couple months ago in sworn testimony implicated you in a sweeping abuse of power? Oops. 
I doubt he would characterize whatever you, uh, whatever he said in that way. Well, he testified about the school board memo that you issued uh, on October 4th of 2021, uh, in which you mobilized federal law enforcement powers against American parents. Now, of course, you didn't put it quite like that. Uh, instead, you found a pretext, which is stated right here in the first line of the memo. In recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. What was your basis for making that claim? I will say again, as I've testified numerous times in response to exactly the same question, that I, I um, saw numerous um, reports in the press of violence and threats. You saw reports in the press, and so you decided to <laughs> instigate a nationwide law enforcement initiative? If I may be permitted to answer the question. No, you're going to just lie. Uh, numerous reports in the media of violence and threats of violence against school personnel of all kinds. We did, received, you, did you consult with the FBI director? We received a letter from the National Association of School Boards reporting. Yes, that letter contained anecdotes. It didn't contain data Such of an increase. Line. Did you, yes or no, consult with the FBI director before issuing the memo? I don't believe I spoke with the FBI director, no. Why not? Why wouldn't you consult with the FBI director? Because the purpose of the memo as is very clear from the memo, is to ask the FBI to assess the situation, to hold meetings, and to determine whether Mr. this Mr. Attorney was General, you started with a conclusion that there was an increase uh, in threats. Now, if you had bothered to consult with the FBI director, here's what he would have said. This is from his sworn testimony, that he was not aware of any such evidence. So my question to you, sir, sitting here today, is can you substantiate your claim that there was an increase? Of course, there will always be criminal, sporadic criminal activity in all quarters of society, but your claim was there was an increase. Can you substantiate that sitting here today? I can substantiate that by the reports in the press of violence and threats of violence and by the letter sent by representatives of thousands. That's a no. You're giving us anecdotes. I'm asking you That's if you right had there. data. You also said in your memo. This is really, uh, you were really good questioning. So I, I had to look it up. This is uh, Kevin Kiley. He's a representative from California. And um, what I'm seeing is that he went to uh, Yale Law School. He was a Loyola Marymount. Uh, student in 2009, which means I think he was there when my brother was there, and he also went to Harvard. So smart guy, clearly, asking uh, very poignant questions, and he's getting down to the root of the matter, which is that this. You launched a nationwide uh, inquiry into parents at school board meetings. You you launched a series of requirements and had people like Steve Friend sitting in the parking lot taking down uh, license plates of parents that attended school board meetings simply because of anecdotes by a lobbyist group that represents a sort of corrupt interest. This is a uh, the National Association of School Boards, which was lobbying the White House to call parents domestic terrorists. And he didn't consult with whether or not there was any statistical backing. And he he correctly points out you took anecdotes from a political action group and then you did their bidding. You want to know what weaponization looks like in America? It looks like a a advocacy group. That is that is required to lobby on behalf of their interest and, and their uh, their membership. They have direct access to the White House and the attorney general, and it results in actions by a, a, a subservient and politically active FBI. That's what weaponization is. That's what we've been arguing since the beginning. That's what got me thrown out of the FBI in October of 2021. I brought this forward in October 21. And by November 23rd, I was told, do not come back into the office. And it was it was a twofold thing. Number one was I said I wasn't going to swab my nose for COVID every 72 hours because that seemed like political subservience and I don't do theater. People ask me, hey, how come you're not testing for COVID? Well, I'm not an actor, so I'm not going to pretend to do something that makes sense. I'm a paramedic with a top secret clearance and I know when I'm sick and when I'm not sick and I'm not going to test for a disease I have no symptoms of. That's absurd. For those of you that took tests that often, get your noses checked by, uh, by an ENT pretty regularly. You got exposed to ethylene oxide at a very high level that has never been tested before in human beings on a mucosal membrane. That was immediately a problem to me. It's something I brought up with Stephen Stambolia when we had our first conversation in October. Like, hey, this is scary stuff. Why would they ask you to do this? It's not good. And the second thing is I got kicked out of the office because I brought forward this memo to Congress and it went forward. And what was it? It was the it was a political action wing asking for something very specific and they got it. Imagine writing a letter to the attorney general with like your personal feelings and then them launching a nationwide policy. It's crazy. It's fully crazy. It makes zero sense whatsoever. It's really scary to me that this is going on. Do we have any more clips on there? Or was that the last one there, right? I think that was our last clip of Garland. That was the last one. Folks, we're I dealing- I got more if you want them. I can yeah, come yeah I know we've got it. We could do this all day. Here's the crazy thing. He did five hours of testimony. He said zero things that mattered. Nothing was true. We had uh, a basically defensive covering. We had uh, people 
like uh, Swalwell, Eric Swalwell from California that were attacking Jim Jordan. None of the Democrats care about doing oversight. They care about doing defense on behalf of their political pit bull. And their pit bull's name is the Department of Justice. And the pit bull has teeth and those teeth are called the FBI. That's the metaphor. The DOJ is happy to go out there and be the, the bite and the bark of the Democratic Party. And the FBI is willing to be the teeth that sink in. It grabs it and then the DOJ chomps them up and swallows them down and puts men that weren't even in the city in jail for 22 years, like you heard in our interview of Enrico Tario. It's so gross. Can I uh, play the Swalwell quick real quick? All right, fine, play <laughs> it. He's, he's gross too, but do it. All right. Go ahead and send Mr. it. Mr. Attorney General, you are serious. They are not. He's got a countdown in front decent. of him, guys. They are not. On a laptop. 500 and 496 days. They are not. Yeah, he's fair and they are not. He's got a countdown timer of how long it's been since Jim Jordan answered a subpoena from his own committee. So, yeah, is that hypocritical? Yeah, it is, actually. It is. Let's just call it what it is. You should answer the subpoena if you're going to tell people that they're in contempt. Um, I don't know what they were asking him for. I don't really care anymore. I remembered at some point, and it just doesn't matter. There's just no honesty. This is Kabuki Theater. What's going to be the end result? Is Merrick Garland going to be accused of perjury? No. Should he be? Yes. Is Victor Shokin going to come in and testify in front of the American people? No. Should he? Seems like it. We've given all, all that money to Ukraine. I'm pretty sure we can afford a flight back from Ukraine here so we can have him talk about what's going on. That might be good. I'd love to have the people that bought Hunter Biden's art. How about the political appointee that got a nice job in the Biden administration? How about put him on the stand? Hey, man, what do you like most about Hunter Biden's artwork? How did Hunter Biden go from zero to making you know enough to pay off a $15,000 a month rent on the beach in California? How did that happen? So talented. Was it because all the crack that he was smoking that he just has this creative brain? I know people that smoke crack. I've met them. That's what happens when you're when you're a paramedic and you're an FBI agent. You actually meet people that smoke crack. Most of them aren't earning like, you know, six figures on a piece of art that they did. Usually what they're doing is they're like writing dick pictures on the on a bathroom wall. <laughs> and then they're smoking whatever they can find. And they're doing other things that we can't talk about on the show because this is too family friendly. I'm just saying. They don't, they don't get along the way that Hunter Biden has. He might be the most successful crackhead in American history. There's probably like one or two others. There was a mayor in Canada that might be up on there. His last name was Ford. I can't remember his first name now. And there was, uh, and then uh, Marion Barry, the mayor of DC, might be the two most, the three most successful men. We should have like a crackhead uh, t-shirt, like smoke crack, rule the world, something like that. All right, uh, that's, that's going to do it for today. I think we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to say thanks before we uh, leave to our friends over at Patriot coolers you know patriot coolers we're showing their day coolers today i've got the backpack it's fantastic it's really useful if you want a thermal barrier between anything you're carrying you can keep your lunch hot or cold you can keep things from melting if you live in the texas heat it's still almost 100 degrees outside for me so we've been using this to move things around for the kids when we're going places keep their water bottles in there it's got little handy pouches actually it's got so many pouches that you can uh, lose things in there and not find them I've uh, lost granola bars and went looking and found them like weeks later. Great stuff. Check out their uh, their their day coolers. These are great things for moving lunch around. And if you want to be a guy who's got a, a room for some of your non-required cooling, you got to kick your uh, your work stuff in. You can even fit like a tablet in that open pocket. Pretty good stuff. Check that out. Easy access. Promo code Kyle, 10% off. K-Y-L-E gets you 10% off. 10% off with promo code Kyle. Should we say it one more time? K-Y-L-E, 10% off at patriotcoolers.com. They are our friends. They're great people out of Houston, Texas. Check them out. I think you guys can appreciate all that. Um, let's do a, uh, a big thank you to all of you. We've crossed over the barrier of 13,000 viewers. So we have uh, over 13,000 of you that have subscribed to the channel. You guys can always follow the channel. That's the way Rumble calls it. That's a follower is if you are watching the channel and you get notifications. If you want to subscribe to the channel, there's 25 or so of you that want to put five bucks a month in front of it. It's a you know cup of coffee at Starbucks with uh, 2,000 calories worth of sugar. Or you can watch the Kyle Serafin Show and know that you're supporting us. We do appreciate that. We're not saying you should. We're just saying if you want to, you can click the little button that says subscribe and we really do appreciate it. Make sure you've hit the like button and make sure that uh, my buddy Eric... Jason over there in the chat is not having a conniption fit. He's already put a rumble rant on it. He's out there supporting our channel every day. Really appreciate him doing the moderation in the chat. A great dude. And uh, all of you, we're really thankful for you. We're, we're just shy of that 700 mark on the Apple reviews. I think we're four away. You guys came through with another six or seven of them since the last show. So thanks so much for giving those. If you want to leave us a five-star review, the show notes will give you the click through. You can rock right through there. I have heard that Apple is skipping and doing weird things on the app. I tried to find that out yesterday. I didn't have that experience, but it doesn't mean you guys are not. We are looking for a new stream host. So we might be moving off Podbean and moving to something like Spotify. Uh, it might be more financially sound for us, but it also might give us a better product to you. So that's what our real goal is. If you're listening to the audio show and you have issues, leave me a five-star review telling me that there is a problem 
and we will work on that for you. You can always leave the, uh, the comment in the Rumble chat as well. Uh, today's five-star review comes from Sweet Sherry. What a nice name, Sweet Sherry. And this is a short and sweet one as well. Just says, thank you, five stars. So refreshing to hear an honest voice. Keep up the good work. Uh, we will do it. We will indeed, Sherry. We will keep up the good work because we're just funded for you. All the people that are advertising with us, we pick them by hand. I've had to turn away sponsors that don't make sense to me. And uh, nobody is telling us what we can or can't say. So we just bring it to you the way we think about it. That's the way I think it. That's the way I'm setting it today. I kept the swearing to a minimum. So I hope that worked out for you guys at work. Really do appreciate all of you. Follow Ryan Matta at Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T-A. You can find him on LFA TV at 2 p.m. on LFA TV. He streams on Rumble. And uh, by all means, make sure you bookmark this. We will see you guys again. Tomorrow is going to be Friendly Friday. It's going to be Steve Friend doing it solo. I am flying to the D.C. area. So look forward to a solo Friendly Friday. I told him he can take the keys to the boat. I'm going to be riding on somebody's yacht because we're going to go do Tim Pool's uh, show. Kind of a weird time, but I hope you guys do enjoy that. See him tomorrow for Friendly Friday. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kyleserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at kyleserafin.